our U9s recently played a game against a team, and three of my players by the end of the game got hurt. <laughs> and it was because the other coach just didn't teach their players to defend 1v1. So when our players who are fantastic on the ball and we've taught them all these different moves, when they do a deceptive dribbling move and they beat a player and the player gets frustrated that they get embarrassed, uh, they just turn around and hack our player's feet, right? And the problem is that at U9, the ref doesn't give cards. So uh, they just do this all game and there's no repercussions to it. But today, we're going to talk about 1v1 defending because I think it's one of the most neglected parts of the game. So today we'll talk about that. Uh, and I have a really good listener question that was through our Facebook group that I'm excited to talk about as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. Prepare for a soccer coaching revolution. Come with me on a journey to discover the latest methods, techniques, and tactics that will transform you into a more effective coach, player, or soccer parent. Whether you're a seasoned coach or a beginner, growth never stops. I'm Sagab Rabinovich, and this is Soccer Coaching Mastermind. We had four games this weekend. Our 2015s, 2014s, 2012s, and 2011s played, which uh, was really interesting. Our 2015s I'll talk about at the end. Our 2014s, they're, again, probably the most consistent team other than last week. And last week was just a freak kind of accident where five players were sick on the team. Uh, three came to the game, and then by the end, those three had stomach aches and were sitting off. And we were playing with four players against seven. So other than that, though, uh, this team very consistent, 60% uh, possession. Um, we got, I think it was five goals, and then I just kind of stopped. I just put players in different positions and just kind of let them uh, really just, you know, have a lot more freedom than they usually would. Um, really tried to focus on that ability to keep the ball in their half, which we ended up doing most of the game. But that team, when we play against a weaker team, that's usually what I'll do. I'll get into the game, try and get them to be very consistent in the beginning, and then put them in different positions and uh, just things that they're not used to, uh, try and getting them a little bit more involved in situations on the field that they don't see often. After that, our 2012s played. Our 2012s played. We were missing a couple of players, but again, this 2012 team has been pretty consistent. This was their first loss of the year we have a really tough stretch coming up of games with that team so it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond i think the teams that we were playing before really just kind of let us play our game so now they're really going to start to be challenged a lot more which is going to be really interesting again possession wise we were really great but we were missing that final product uh, we were missing the player that usually gets a lot of our goals, so our striker and one of our uh, really fast uh, 1v1 focused uh, wingers. And when we're missing the, those two elements together, it's very tough to get that final product. And I think that's what we were missing this game, just the final product of scoring the goal. Our 2011s. They played one of the better teams, and we've got another one uh, this coming weekend as well. So one of the top teams in the division. 
And again, without a goalkeeper, this team, it's really going to be hard for them to perform defensively. So we always get a lot of goals scored against us, and that's okay. But for the first time, not only was our possession decent, but we scored a lot of goals. So we got four goals against what I would say a pretty good team. We got a new player in, uh, and he did really well, scored two goals in his first game. So really excited to see where this 2011 team goes. But again, until we get that goalkeeper, it's just going to be tough to win games. Now, our 2015s haven't been winning, right? And again, that really boils down to goalkeepers. Um, we found a goalkeeper finally for a 2015 team, which I'm really excited about. And this was his first game in goal for us. And because we had our goalkeeper, we played really well. We played against a tough team and we ended up tying. Uh, we were down 3-1 and then in the end, we just two goals one after the other. But it just shows the difference that a good goalkeeper can make. That team, I think, destroyed us the first time we played. But again, it's not like we weren't out of the game. It's just that every shot that they used to shoot would be a goal. But now when we have a goalkeeper in goal, completely changes the game. And I think goalkeepers are very overlooked in youth soccer as being important, right? Because a lot of the time we talk about winning is an important, you know, development first, that type of mentality. So we kind of just say, okay, well, it doesn't really matter that we get scored on a lot. But if you can train a really good goalkeeper, then it completely changes the game. And the best example of that is our 2014 team, who we've had a goalkeeper in that team for the past two years to the point where now he's absolutely fantastic. And forget just being a goalkeeper. His What he does with his feet is just as important. He got an assist this past weekend where we reset the ball to him. The other team attracted. Winger was wide open. He made a fantastic cross to him. Okay, and then he just, the winger went through and we scored a goal. That's also available on our YouTube page. You can see that as one of our highlights. But, and I also went over that uh, on our Monday Zoom call yesterday. But goalkeepers just make such a difference. And I had a question on the Facebook group that I think is really important. So uh, I'm going to read it. In our club, we have several coaches who are also goalkeeper specialists. They were going to run goalkeeper clinics this year, but due to time constraints, they aren't available. I'm going to take on the task myself for my 2013 players. I have at least 11 players out of two teams that have played or are interested in the goalkeeper position. Any suggestions for quality, comprehensive, one-stop place to ramp up my coaching skills to run clinics? I've never played the position myself, but have gleaned a lot of goalkeeping advice over my years of coaching that I use with my training sessions. So I really like this question, uh, not because it's, uh, you know, he's going to be running a clinic, but because I think every single coach should have an understanding of goalkeeper training and how to train a goalkeeper. And I'll give you a perfect example of what's happening in our club right now. We have a dedicated goalkeeper coach, uh, but she's away this month. But I still want my goalkeepers to get better. So we need to keep training our goalkeepers. So what I did was I took one of our courses that I'll talk about, and it made a world of difference, right? Now, I 
found this course because I trust the program. Uh, it's all online, so I can always revisit it if I want. Uh, now, what I do, and th this is just personal advice. I mean, I'm sure it's not allowed, but I do it anyway. Um, if you're ever taking a course online, okay, and that's any video course that, sorry, any course that has a video component to it. So, for example, the Barcelona course or what I'll talk about today, turn on your Zoom and record screen. And that way you will have that forever. You can put it in a folder. You can show other coaches. You can do all this stuff with it, right? I never, you know, put it, make it public or anything like that. So obviously it's not my content, but I paid for the content. I want to be able to watch it wherever I want. So a piece of advice, whenever you do get into something like that, just make sure to turn on Zoom, record screen, and I promise you it'll be worth it. The course that I want to talk about is Corver. Um, Corver and I have a very long uh, relationship. Um, when I was a kid, I obviously, I talked about this a lot. I played in the Kansas City Legends system for little. So I was very into the 1v1. And back then, Corver wasn't really understood. It was, and, and still is, I think, to some degree. Everyone kind of sees it as this training course for 1v1 dribbling very individual base and that's just not true it's a pyramid based system so what I mean by that it's um, they really layer player development which I really like they start off with a good foundation just like a house and then they would build like the basement right then after the basement they would build you know the main floor then the top floor and then the roof right so they really kind of create a full uh, player from a developmental point of view. And they do this for the goalkeeper training as well. So I, without knowing anything, this was a long, long time ago, I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to buy the goalkeeper course. And now I find myself in that position. And not only that, but I actually started doing private sessions, which I don't do private sessions anymore. Um, but these are two kids that really wanted my help. And uh, I said, you know what, fine, I'll, you know, I'll come in. And then I come in, show up, and to my surprise, it's like, we want to be goalkeepers. And I was like, okay, no worries. Great timing because I am doing goalkeeper stuff right now uh, so I can teach you. But I love the goalkeeping part of it because just like everything cover-wise, it really takes on that pyramid and builds a really good foundation and starts to layer things on top. So for me, I've had a lot of success with it. It's an old course, uh, but I just find with Cover everything is fantastic. So if you're a coach out there, this isn't sponsored or anything like that. They don't even know who I am. Uh, but this has been my experience. Cover everything is great. When I used to run March camp, March break camps, winter camps, and I was struggling for ideas, it would it was always Cover that I would go back to because I love the fact that it's kind of small sided in the fact that they usually partner uh, four kids max and it's like small group session type situations. And that's how I like to do my training, as I'm sure you know from listening to the podcast as well. So I just align with their methodology a lot. So again, if that's something you're interested in, you know, go on their website. I don't have a referral code. I don't have anything. Let's go on their website. Look it up. Um, I think it'll be useful. You know, you can watch videos 
in, in in kind of short time time frame and just kind of figure out what you like. I think that would be really great. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the main part of the show today, which is 1v1 defending. 1v1 defending is one of the most frustrating things to watch in the game for me when teams play against us because it's just fouls at this point. The amount of our players that get hurt because other coaches just don't. And it's not only that they don't teach the 1v1s, but to me what what is most frustrating is when they hack our players there's nothing comes out of the coach's mouth, like nothing. And when we do it, I yell at my player. You can't do that, right? I don't yell often, but if you're hacking someone's legs, you're not doing that to win the ball. You're doing that to hurt a player. And that is not anything that I want in my academy. I don't want players that are going to, you know, hurt other. That's not, that's not what I preach, right? Like I don't, I don't like that. We create good leaders, good people, right? We use soccer to kind of make players better people. And if you're teaching that, then it's not, it's just not right, right? It's not good sportsmanship. So we see this a lot and it's tough because what am I going to do? What am I going to sit there, yell at the other? I can't do that. I can't yell at the other coach. I can't yell at the, you know? So to me, this is something that needs to happen and needs to be a part of the curriculum because when it's not, you're just hurting hurting players. I think overall, this would be great for youth soccer if other teams just learn how to defend. That's it. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about how to defend 1v1. Now, when I first started this, it was very simple. Arm over the, sorry, in between the player and the net, arm over the ball on your surfboard, right? As you approach, you get slow and then you fake attack and then the player messes up and then you get in between the player and the ball and that was it, right? And that was my basic understanding of 1v1 defending. And if you're there, you're not far away, right? I'll I'll start and say that. And most of you should be there because that is what I learned from Tom when I was listening to Coaching Soccer Weekly. I learned the surfboard method, which I love. We still talk about surfboard all the time. But from surfboard to winning the ball is a step that's always been missing. And I always talk about surfboard with getting your arm up. And to me, getting your arm involved is the most important part of this. Because if you lead in with your leg... As you lean in, that's when you're off balance. And the great dribblers, the best dribblers, when they see that, forget about it. You're done. They will get through you and they will make you look foolish. And that's what our players do, right? They wait for the foot to come in. Then they do a Maradona or a scissors. Uh, Those are the moves that we've been working on very religiously over time. So uh, it's, it's been very easy to watch. And in every game, we have highlights like this, right? Players jumping in with their feet. We do a Maradona. We had one of our players, uh, three highlights, all three, right? Players jumping in with their feet, right? So we, we score, right? But we're not facing good defenders. So anyway, uh, let's talk about the specifics of it. And I'm going to start painting a picture for you as best I can. 
I want you to think about two sprinters, okay? And the sprinters are doing a 100-meter run, right? And they're both starting in that sprinting position, okay? Uh, now, the gun shoots up, and they go, and they race, right? At that point, if both of the sprinters are evenly matched, there's a 50-50 chance. Let's do that. 50-50 chance that either one will win, okay? Now, let's take this from a soccer example, okay? One sprinter is facing the finish line. The other sprinter is facing away from the finish line, right? So if we think of the finish line as the soccer goal, then one sprinter is facing that soccer goal and the other one is facing away because they're defending, theoretically. And then if the gun went off, it's very easy to understand who would win, right? If the back is turned towards the finish line, it's the player who's chess is pointed towards the finish line he's obviously going to win right because the other player has to turn around fully and then make the sprint to the goal so of course he's not going to win that's what i usually see so i usually see players like that and this is exactly what i show in the training sessions i do this example to show the kids now the second situation which is a little bit better is getting on your surfboard right so if I'm on my surfboard, right, which means I'm kind of sideways and the other sprinter is, again, facing straight towards the net, gun goes off, right, I would say that the sprinter would, again, win because they're in that sprinting position, right? I'm not in a sprinting position, but I wouldn't lose by as much as I would in the first one, which was with my back turned towards the goal. The last situation and my favorite situation to show is I'm on my surfboard. The sprinter is in the sprinting position. The only difference now is that my hand goes across the sprinter's body to block where they're going. And now it is very obvious who's going to win. I'm going to win that race now because I'm blocking the way for the sprinter so he can't get across my arm or in the very least the arm is going to slow him down enough for me to beat the defender right and that's the example of why for me if you don't get the arm involved you're not really defending at all so hopefully i've persuaded you on using your arm first right don't tackle with your foot first tackle with your arm first but now let's talk about each step. And we'll go from the very beginning into winning the possession. The first step is to curve your run. And we curve our run, there are two theories here. Okay, and both of them are fine. You know, one theory is curve your run and push the player away from the net. Okay, that's one. Sorry, there are three theories, I think. Okay, so that's that's a great theory. Push them away from the net, curve your run so you're blocking the net and the player. Love that. The second theory is that you curve your run towards the end line, which is the same thing. It's just said differently, right? You're focusing on getting that player, again, away from the goal, but more towards the end line so you can use the end line as an extra defender, right? So if you're going 1v1, then 
it's more important to get an advantage, which is by using the sideline as an extra defender, right? So I think those two are a little bit different because pushing the player away from the net doesn't mean pushing them away to the sideline. It just means pushing them away from the net, right? Versus a team that really focuses on cutting the passing lanes to the center space or the half space. And then once the ball goes into the wide space, that's when they press and they press the players to the to the end line, right? So I think those are a little bit different. Not a lot different, but a little bit different. The third one is forcing a player into the foot that they're not controlling with. And that is theoretically their weaker foot. So if a player receives the ball and they receives the ball with their right, then we're going to force them left, okay? And those to me are the three different theories. And those theories are for you as a coach to figure out which one you want to do because they all have merit. It just depends on your philosophy and just the way your team plays, right? So that's what I would say to that. Now, we all know the approach, right? The approach has to be slow so that we start fast, then we slow down so that the player doesn't beat us with speed. And we should be on our surfboard, right? Arm out, just like a surfboard. And this is where I change it up a little bit. My arm is out and it's blocking a path. That's what the arm is doing. It's blocking a path one way. So I am not only forcing a player through my run, but I'm also forcing a player through my arm. I am telling that player, you cannot go this way. You must go a different way. Okay. And I'm really blocking that path, right? So if your arm is in line with the player's shoulder as that player is attacking, that's not good enough. So it's got to be behind the shoulder. So I would say like a little bit on their back. That's the line that we want. Now we force the player one way. They're going to start dribbling. And this is where the sprinter comes in. So what do I mean by the sprinter? This is when it now becomes a race because now we've opened up a path for the attacker. And as soon as we open up a path, the arm that forces him one way is now going to come across his body without touching it, okay? Because we're not pushing, we're not pulling, we're not nothing. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to put my arm in between the ball and the player. And once my arm is in between the ball and the player, that's when I'm going to lunge in with my foot to try and get my foot in between the player and the ball. And that, to me, is the perfect technique of 1v1 defending. Now, there's one more thing that I wanted to talk about why this is so important. I'm part of an insane amount of Facebook soccer group coaching chats, like just too many. And every once in a while, I see a post like, My U9 girls aren't physical enough. My U10 boys aren't physical enough. They're just scared of the ball, it seems like. And then, you know, in the comments, coaches will say things like, well, you know, work on 1v1 and this and that and that. But that's not the problem. The problem isn't that they're not working on 1v1 enough. The reason they're scared is because they don't understand how to protect themselves, right? One of the things that I've started teaching my goalkeepers is how to protect themselves when they go in in a 1v1 battle where they can come in and slide. 
And until you know how to protect yourself as a person, you're just going to be scared. You are. It's very natural. So when we talk about you nine girls, boys, you 10 girls, boys, and them being scared, they're not scared because they don't want to do it. They're scared because they don't understand how to get into a situation safely. And once they do, by teaching them this technique, then they're not putting themselves in any risk. If you're doing 1v1 defending this way and you're going through this technique, then they're never in danger, ever. Never are is their body exposed, ever. It's just their arm, right? Never is their foot exposed. It's not because it's protected by the arm. So they're never in a situation where they have to feel like they're in trouble. And I've had a player, 2014 team, who super scared, scared of everything. And he wasn't always like this. He would always get in. But now as a 2014, he's one of the shorter players. He wasn't before. And the players that he's playing against are just big, strong, fast. Um, He's still fantastic, makes really good decisions. But he was just kind of scared. And I saw that. And we went in and we go in very hard with this now. This is part of our Tuesday session, 1v1 defending, teaching this. And I'll talk about how I do that as well in a little bit. But he has completely changed to the point where this past weekend, he was the best defender on our field. He was easily able to win players 1v1 because he understood all he had to do was get his arm across. He never pushed. He never did anything. He just got his arm across and then stepped through. That was it. And once he mastered that, easy. Our 2012 team has one girl on the team. Now she's become our best defender because we broke this down. And she's scared of the ball. She's still very scared of the ball. I'll be completely honest. When that ball comes to her, something else that we're working on, which is something completely different, she'll put her hands up, right? Which is a very natural thing to do for kids, I think, right? If something fast and hard is coming like a ball, right? If someone's shooting a ball at your face, that would be my first reaction if that was nine or 10, right? So for her to be our best defender, different world, right? She was scared. Now, best arm. It's that simple. So if you're having this issue, which I think most teams have this issue with at least one or two players, and even if they don't, if this is something that you can concentrate on with your defenders or every single one of your players, it changes the game. A good defense just makes the game easier. And a good defense starts with a goalkeeper. A good defense starts with having great 1v1 defenders. If we win every single 1v1 battle, they can't score on us. They have to get through seven players in our young age group. They're they're just not going to. They're not going to be able to if we're that good at 1v1 defending. So by now, you should know that I don't believe in just theory. I also want the practical, right? How can we do this in our sessions? How can we be super effective? So I'm going to share with you the sessions that we do. We do this every Tuesday. We do this for 20 minutes. We go 1v1s. Uh, Sorry, defending, 1v1 defending. The rest of the session is all deceptive dribbling. Okay, so we always do both. I personally believe that the more simple the session, the more coaching points you can get across. So we made it super simple. It's a six by eight. Six steps, real steps, not heel to toe steps by eight, okay? Now the cones are marking out the rectangle, so you should have four cones. And the 
with is going to be the end zone, essentially. One player starts with the ball, they pass to the other player, and then that player dribbles with the goal that that player should stop the ball on the line, and when they do, that's a goal. Super simple. I don't want to complicate it. I want something that every single player at any level can do and can do quickly. The reason I say stop the ball is because it gives a little bit more of an advantage to the defender rather than dribbling through because it forces the attacker to slow down. So we're trying to give a little bit of an advantage to the defender, just like we do with everything, right? Everything that we do in that slow to medium is advantage to who we want to teach the skill to. So now let's talk about what the session actually looks like. For the first five minutes, we pair them up, go play. I know I said first no pressure, but we just want them to get into the session, we want them to understand the game, and we want them to come in, have fun, play a game against someone. Within that first five minutes, we focus on curving your run, okay? That's the most important thing. Curving your run and getting your arm to block the passing lane. And we can do that in that first five minutes. Curve your run, arm blocking one way, okay? The next part is the slow part because this is where the technique really comes in of 1v1 defending. And the technique is arm from the player's back to the front, back to front, okay? It's that motion that is really gonna be the toughest part. And if the defender gets that, then the rest is simple because then they can just, with their furthest foot from the defender, they can use that foot as their arm comes in front to get the ball, and then they're in between the ball and the player, which is how what really defending is. The goal of defending is to get in between the ball and the player. That's it. If you can do that, you're a great defender every single time. We're talking about that middle part. How do we go from the player having the ball to us being in between the player and the ball, right? So that middle part is when we ask players to slow it down. So we even ask players to walk through it, okay? So can you walk through it? What does walking through it mean? Well, can we make a really good pass? Can we get a really good first touch? And then can we touch that ball into space? Or what we can do here is we can work on the attacker and we can say, before you receive, you must fake one way. So can you fake one way and then go the other? So that gives the attacker something to do as well while the defender is approaching, okay? And then while they fake first touch, then from there, they're walking the rest of the time, okay? And now it's the defender's job to get close, arm blocking, curving their run from there on their surfboard, slow, wait on the back foot. From there now, when they're close enough, now can we get the arm from the back to the front and then step in with our furthest foot from the defender to win the ball. That's it. And we do that for about five to 10 minutes, depending on the players and, uh, <clears throat> and their level and how much they're understanding it. I'm not really worried about going to full pressure again, because after that, they're going to have 30 minutes of full 1v1s where they're just playing 1v1. So they get to full pressure defend essentially for 30 minutes. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm just worried about at the beginning, can we get them into the session? Can we get them organized quickly in their pairs? Can they start having fun? Can they focus on the first part of defending? Then for the next 15 minutes, can we really get them to understand arm from back to front? And what you'll see with the younger players is that they will at a certain point 
if they get bored and it becomes too easy for them, they will themselves start to make it faster, right? So they'll always do that. And then you can go in and watch. And just as you're walking around, if you see someone's doing it good, then you can go, okay, can we try a little bit faster, right? And we're tailoring each pair to where they are in their soccer development journey, in their 1v1 defending journey. If this is the first time a player is doing it because it's their first time at your session, the whole time they're probably going to be walking, which is great. But if a player has been doing this for three, four times, and not only that, but you've seen them doing it at the game, maybe you want them to just do it for five minutes, go slow just so they can get that repetition. So you go up to them and you go, okay, guys, listen, I know uh, that you guys know what you're doing. So give me five minutes of walking and then I'll come over and then you can go full pressure. Right. So you've got different pairs at different levels and you tailor that session based on them. And we do this again for everyone in every situation. When we do our passing and receiving Wednesday and Friday and we do our no pressure, it's the same thing. There are groups that I'll go in and I'll go, and I'll go okay, can we slow it down? And then there are groups that I'll go, can we get it faster? Can we start scanning? Right. Can we call the colors? Because we have a machine that uh, automatically gets colors so that players are scanning. And then can I say, can we make the passes harder? Can we make the first touch better, quicker? So I'm challenging each pair because each pair should be a different level of skill. Thanks for listening to another episode of Soccer Coaching Mastermind. This weekend I have four games, but two of them are at the same time. So I'll only be at three of them. And I'll be back next week with a brand new topic or maybe a continuation of what I spoke about uh, this week. But until then, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moments, but most importantly, enjoy the game.